0: There might be fewer players, but there's never a lack of exciting action. This is the statewide
1: Idaho 8-Man PrepCast with Brandon Bainey and Paul Kingsbury. That's right. It's another edition of the Idaho 8-Man PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. Brandon Bainey joined once again by Will Haneke. Uh Paul Kingsbury, nowhere to be found. He is uh, championship week at IdahoSports.com, of course. He's a very busy guy, so
0: yeah. Yep. Good to be here.
1: Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on. So uh, for fans of the Idaho eight man prep cast, I want to let you know, right out the jump that this is going to be our final episode of the season because well, the, the, we're, we're at the the pinnacle, right? We're, we're at championship weekend here. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, next week of course is this Thanksgiving week, right? And so as the podcast czar at Idahosports.com, I want to give everybody the week off. Uh, because we've been working really hard, Will, since, since August, really, um, doing this every week. And so it's a nice opportunity to, to get a week off for the holiday, spend time with uh, family and friends and loved ones. And, and really, that's it for us at the 8-Man PrepCast because 8-Man football will be over. There, there's nothing else to talk about once we come back from the Thanksgiving break. So uh, all of our fans, we've loved bringing this to you each and every week. We will have it again next fall starting in august talking about all the eight-man action again and we'll give you a really good final show here as we preview the two championship
0: matchups it's going to be a lot involved of fun. in what six or eight of these how many how many different ones does Idaho sports do now eight eight <laughs> well, that's a that's a that's a lot of time and it's not just turning on the mic and talking you know it's it's doing research it's making sure you got all your facts lined up making you're doing it for eight different ones like you I mean it's it's impressive where you're going from talking about you know volleyball in district two to eight-man football to cross country in district four and you're doing it all in like the same day it's 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 pretty impressive the work you, that you've been doing
1: yeah, and as we get into the winter sports, we're I think we're going to consolidate a couple of our prep casts as well, just so there's less on my plate because it has been a lot. Uh, my my family is certainly going to appreciate that <laughs> they get to see me
0: a little more. You can reintroduce yourself.
1: That's right. Hey, uh, I'm the stranger that's kind of been moonlighting uh, at the house here lately. So, <laughs> so, so, so yeah, this will be our last eight man prep cast of the year. We'll preview, we'll recap the semifinals, preview the championships, and then uh, next fall. We'll be right back here where we started breaking down the 2022 eight man football season. But before we get there, Will, let's let's uh mosey on back to 2021. Sure. Let's let's just start at the 1A D one level where you had a pair of semifinal games taking place on Saturday. Uh the top ranked Raft River Trojans hosted Lapway at their place in Malta, wanted to take the game outside. Actually, weather wise, ended up being a pretty nice day. Yeah. yeah. Lapway scored the first points of the game. Right, a thirty-yard touchdown pass from Titus here out to Cross Taylor, but then Raf River scored the next fifty-one and won fifty-one to six.
0: Yep. Uh, the The thing that about about the Division One games, I expected both to be a lot closer. Um, I think that it's um, is it it Bill Bill Parcells says people tell you who they are, you just have to listen. It's not an apples to apples comparison, but this is. Uh, I, I think it fits a little bit in that I think the better teams won both these games. Man, the, the Raft River's just, they're just so balanced. You know, you don't go nine and zero, especially in that league on accident. Um, and, you know, they've, what they did to Lapway was impressive because Lapway, Lapways, we've talked about a lot. Lapway is a good team with good athletes and good players. And Raft River just shut them down. Frankly, just shut them down.
1: Yeah, it was really impressive. You know, we talk all the time about these offenses uh, of the teams that are still left in the playoff field. But really, you know, this time of year, you have to be playing pretty good defense to get this far also.
0: Yeah, I, I'm a big proponent of, I mean, you see, you know, 58-42 and you're like, man, no defense has been played. But again, let's re-let's remind you, for those of you who are not familiar with the eight-man game, you're playing on the same size field with three fewer defenders, okay, So, at some point in time, just about every team is going to gash some plays. So, it's the team that tackles better, that forces turnovers, that plays good assignment football. Those are the teams that you generally see playing at this point. You'll see a lot of teams that put up some crazy, crazy numbers during the regular season. But when they get into the postseason and they're facing teams like Raft River and they're facing teams like Oakley, the sledding gets a little bit tougher. And I think that that's what separates you know the 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 good from the great if you will and i think that over over time if we were to look back and, and do kind of a deep dive analytically year to year the teams that are holding those banners at the end of the year aren't always the number one scoring teams but they're usually going to be among the better defensive teams in in the classification whether it's division 1 uh, or division 2 so yeah defense in the eight man game, it's it's considered an offensive league and justifiably so, but you've got to be able to play some defense if you want to win a championship.
1: To so hold Lapway to six points. I yeah, mean, yeah, nothing yeah. short of incredible.
0: Right? It, it's it's fantastic. Like I I openly wondered the week before when when Lapway beat Prairie, and now Prairie was a little shorthanded, say what you will, and I understand that and I respect that, but the performance that Titus year out had in that game. I wondered if that would kind of push him to the top of the Division 1 player of the year voting because, you know, you do something like that in the playoffs, 500 total yards, nine touchdowns, that's going to stick in people's minds. Now, to come back the following week and he didn't play, he didn't play terribly, you know, he did okay. His numbers were were okay, but his team his team didn't do as well does that just open it back up maybe for someone else? And I guess that's the joy of the coaches voting on this thing is they know a lot better than you and I do, and they're going to sit down and they're going to cast their ballots and, and we're going to find out in the, you know, in a couple weeks.
1: Yeah. I mean, you look at the two finalists, Ref River and Oakley. I mean, I, I couldn't even tell you who, who would be the nomination from that team for, for the one eighty one player of the year award, well, because there's so many.
0: That's the crazy thing about it is you go back in years past um, when Cole Martin won it a couple years ago for Prairie, I thought it was a no brainer. You know, I thought it was easy, you know, a number of times the Dean Johnson winning last year and he deserved it. Another Prairie kid won it last year. That was one of those of, well, there's a lot of really good candidates here. And there comes a point where they kind of subtract from each other. Um, you know, like, let's see, you know, if, if, for instance, let's, let's use raft river as an example, Thane Miller, Cole Spencer, Alex Murillo, Tate Whitaker, Tegan Whitaker, you know, should I go on, you know, at at some point, you know, are they kind of, and I say this very lightheartedly, I don't, I don't mean this to sound as serious as, as it sounds, but at some point, are they kind of taking votes from each other a little bit and, and maybe allowing someone else the opportunity to sneak in? I just, you know, in D1 in particular, in D2, we can talk about it later if you want. I think there's two or three Guys that have kind of separated themselves from the field. I don't think that's the case in D1. You know, Oakley, you know, is it Dace Jones? You know, that's kind of where I would lean. But then you've got Peyton Beck, you've got Ethan Torbaugh, you've got Bryce Severe. You know, which one? How do you, How do you pick just one?
1: Yeah, both ends playing against the middle a little bit uh, for those two teams. And and so all those guys you just rattled off for Raptor the River, they, they all scored. I mean, we talked about the balance and versatility in that 51-6 to win over Lapway. No no single player had more than a touchdown. I mean, Teagan Whitaker, uh, Alex Murillo, uh pass from Tate Whitaker to Gabe Briggs, and then Whitaker found Thane Lockmiller. And then in the second half, Cole Spencer, Benny Smith, Kai Ward. I mean, you're talking about you know, nine different touchdowns scored nine different ways by nine different players.
0: Yeah. And that's, and that's, that's, I think, again, part of the reason why Raft River is where they are. You can't load up the box and say, I'm going to take away this one running back and they can't beat me. Because if you do that, they got three or four other guys who can, but you throw the ball downfield to Seth Tracy. He's a good football player too. You know what I mean? That, that's why I think Raft River and Oakley are the last two teams standing is among all teams they might be the two most diverse in terms of personnel and the number of ways that they can beat you they might be the two best and and they both play really really good defense i mean uh you know i I looked it up earlier today raft river 13 points a game allowed um oakley just over 12. you know when they played um the final score was 22 to 16. raft river won the game 22 to 16. The, those two scores were by far, it was the fewest points that Raft River scored all year, by far. It was the fewest points that Oakley scored scored all year, by far. Versatility and defense matters, and these two teams both have it.
1: Certainly. So let's talk about Oakley. They defeat Butte County 52-22. to 22. This was a wild start to the game. This is the game that I was at on Saturday inside Holt Arena. Um, Oakley goes three and out. Uh, early on in the game and they're having to punt and boone gamut comes through will for butte county and blocks the punt in the end zone it spins out to about the two yard line he is able to recover from you know making the play on the block to see the ball scoop it up and take it in for the butte county touchdown so boone gamut not only blocked the punt but he also scooped it up and took it in two yards for the touchdown and you're thinking all right Butte County's just made a huge special teams play. I talked to coach Thorngrin before the game. I said, what, you know, what are the keys to the game? He said, special teams and turnovers, you know, this deep in the playoffs. And so I thought, okay, here's Butte County. They've got the momentum. Well, on the very next kickoff, Oakley executes a handoff at the 20 yard line. And, uh, Bridger Duncan takes it 80 yards for a tying touchdown. So just like that, the the special teams advantage is neutralized. And then, they kick off to Butte County. The Pirates go three and out. They have to punt. Oakley comes through and blocks the punt. And it sets him up at the 14-yard line. And from there, you know, Peyton Beck runs it in from three yards out. And Oakley was up 16 to 8. And you you felt that they gave it away early on special teams, but then made back-to-back big plays on special teams to take the game back. It was a really wild start to the game.
0: Yeah, and then that just sucks the fans in too and makes it that much more fun to watch when. You know, you could see a huge play in any facet of the game at any time. And, and Oakley's been one of those teams all year that have made big plays on offense or on defense or at times on special teams. And, um, you know, again, I, I thought um, I expected that to be a, a closer end result than it was. Um, but, you know, Butte County went out there. They left it on the field. They did what they could. Um, I don't think that Sam Thorngren or the Pirates have anything to hang their hats about. I mean, he might be able to say, you know, come Thursday night at about nine o'clock. Hey, the team that knocked us out is is hosting this hoisting the state championship trophy right now. You know, we don't know that. That was a it's a very good team. It's a very um, respect, you know, respectable team as well, as far as, you know, nobody ran over them. You know what I mean? They they were able to stand in there and trade some punches and then. They just wore down a little bit as the game went on, which can certainly happen in the eight-man game.
1: Yeah, the key to the game was Butte County's physicality versus Oakley's speed, and Oakley's speed won out. They tried to run on the edges with Trayton Miller. Oakley was there almost every single time ready to make a tackle, either for a loss or or you know a gain of a yard and that was the problem with butte county is they didn't get those big plays it was a yard here two yards there and then they're having a pass on third and long and so oakley's speed really stood out over butte county's physicality that's what it wanted in my opinion
0: you know and i and i agree with you and something that's funny about it it's something that's so obvious but it was something i'd never really thought of i had a coach tell me recently one of the one of the hard things about eight man football is you don't have the same opportunity to adjust. Because, so say your offense gets stymied, okay? The same eight kids that just played offense usually are playing defense. So you don't really have a chance to get your assistant coach or maybe yourself to sit down with the O-line or the backs or whatever and whiteboard anything up and say, here's what they're doing to us. You know, you have to wait till the end of the quarter. You have to wait until halftime. It's much harder to adjust. So you go in, and and we'll use this as an example. It may not be the best example, but it's the one we have, so we'll go with it. The Pirates may have thought they had something going outside the guards, okay? So Coach Thorngren and his staff, they install the game plan around, we think we have the ability to win some battles here. Well, then they realize that they can't, and it's not always easy as, well, we'll just call some different plays. You can't just wad up the game plan and throw the game plan away, uh, and make that adjustment on the fly because the kids are on the field, and it makes it it makes it harder to adjust sometimes. And that's why sometimes I think you see in eight man games, God, why do they keep doing this? You know, why? How are they not blocking that guy? How are they not doing this? Um, Sometimes it's hard to make some of those little fine adjustments. Some broad ones, sure, you can make the big ones. Hey. You know, they're blowing us up on the pass rush. So we've got to scrap our, you know, our deep drop passes. Some of those fine, but some of the subtle little ones, like, hey, 52 on the end is just killing us. We got to shift our blocking so we can get a second blocker over there. So we're going to have to take the running back out of the pass pattern. Some of those smaller adjustments, those are harder to make in the eight man game just because the kids are always on the field
1: yeah and speaking of the pass rush that was the other key was uh but- butte county just couldn't generate a pass rush peyton back had all day to throw and a player like that doesn't even need all day to no. to pick you apart and so that was the other big key was butte county just couldn't generate that consistent pass rush to make peyton back on unsettled uh we talked about dace jones a lot this year right and his skills on offense as a, as a wide receiver I'm not sure I've seen a better defensive player in the eight-man ranks this year than Dace I agree. Jones. He, I totally
0: agree he was a, he was a
1: missile yeah. he, he was he was flying all over the field he had so many hard hits like uh, hits that I could hear up in the booth I mean it, it was amazing to watch
0: you know I, I I've watched a lot of video of that young man play and he's a he's a fantastic offensive football player if his goal is to play at the next level, and I believe it is that, you know, how many, a lot of these kids would love an opportunity to play college football. Let's not kid ourselves. I think, you know, put on 20 pounds and be a a linebacker or be a safety, his, his instincts on defense, you've got to account for him on every play. It doesn't matter if he's covering somebody all the way out on the left and you're running to the right. When the whistle blows, he's probably going to be over there. He's probably going to be in that play. Um, and, and you're right. It's, he is a fantastic defensive player and has had just a fantastic defensive year. Again, we tend to look at offense. Um, but you know, I, I'd have to think if I'm a, if I'm a college of Idaho, if I'm a Carroll college, if I'm an Eastern Oregon university and, and I need somebody that I can groom to maybe play as an outside linebacker or maybe a safety um, I don't know what his time in the 40 is, so I, I, I can't break it down to the la- that level. But in terms of sometimes you just got to say, hey, that kid can play football. There was a there was a player a few years ago at Valley High School, and Valley's coming back to 1A next year. They've been up at 2A. There was there was a kid named Jason Hardy. He was quarterback slash defensive back. And, and all he did was make big plays. You know, he was 5'9", 160 pounds. So everybody looked at him and said, the measurables, the measurables, the measurables. Who cares? Does he make plays or not? You know, give me uh, eight, since we're talking about eight, or 11. Give me 11 kids that know how to make plays, you know, that that know how to score touchdowns, that know how to read angles, that know how to fill the hole. Give me those kids every time, and I'm going to go win some championships.
1: Yeah, on defense you don't you don't need eight all state players. You just need eight guys that work cohesively as a unit. Oakley's Oakley's defense is is on point right now. The last thing we we want to talk about uh, with the Oakley Butte County game, and then we'll preview the championship is um, on social media. I'm sure a lot of eight man fans have seen this. That there was a sign that Oakley had out onto the field prior to uh, the team running out to start the second half. You know, it was one of those signs made on paper, and the team ran through it and busted it up and. Um, you know, the sign said something to the effect of, uh, Hey, Butte County, your mom says you left your game at home. Now, Butte County, there there was a nice article written just in the last week and a half about, uh, a player for Butte County, Porter Taylor, whose mom tragically passed away, um, in a DUI related car accident. Uh, somebody else hit her mm-hmm. and and so. It, it was a, a sensitive subject for Butte County. Now, I will say that as a neutral observer, I don't think there was malice or intent behind the sign that Oakley had. I, I don't think they were aware that that ha- had happened and that was a situation. I think it was just a sign that th- they put together. They thought it would be funny and it ended up being in poor taste, but I don't think there was any intent behind it. Mm-hmm. And I guess to me as a general rule moving forward, you know, just make a sign to celebrate your own team as opposed to, you know, saying something against the other team. But again, I don't, I don't think there was intent behind it.
0: Yeah, so. I 100% agree with you. I, I, I do not think for a second that Oakley was trying to rub anyone's face in anything. Um, but to your point, I think this is a great teaching moment, if you will, going forward. And then we're not talking just about Oakley. You know, if if you're at Chalice, if you're at Council, if you're in Mullin. You know, wherever you may be, you're at Clark Fork, you hear about this. This is an opportunity to say, Hey, this is why we need to just celebrate ourselves. We don't need to, we don't need to bring the other team into it, uh, especially in that situation. You know, Oakley's got more than enough to celebrate without bringing, without bringing anything else into it. Let's just, let's just, you know, take care of our own house here. Let's just look after ourselves. Let's celebrate our team. Let's celebrate our players. Let's celebrate our community. And, and just just go with that i think this is a great opportunity for for everybody and again all across the state 1a to 5a to 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 have that conversation but i'm with you i don't i don't believe for a moment that there was any anything nefarious anything deliberate anything intentional involved here it was just a it was it was just a it was just a goof and i don't I don't fault the the Butte County community for being upset. I would be. I mean, I think we're all that way. When an open wound gets touched, you recoil. And I think what you're seeing is you're seeing the the greater Arco community recoil a little bit. And while I I, I understand why they're doing it.
1: Yep. Uh, so again, uh, something that could have been avoided, but as you said, well, a great uh, teaching moment moving forward for, for everybody, you know, not just Oakley, but everybody. So uh, let's talk about this championship matchup. All right. This is the game that everybody wanted to see. I think uh, in terms of, you know, not butte County and Lapway fans, but
0: everybody statewide thought
1: this was going to be a good matchup. This was kind of what people thought coming into the season. These two teams played three times in 2020, Right? They played because of Covid nineteen. They mm-hmm. played early on in August. Oakley won that game. They played in the regular season finale. Raft River won that game. Then they met in last year's championship. Oakley won that game. then to the regular season this year, Raft River wins. I feel like this is the World Series will. This is like a best of seven game series yeah. and they're trading blows.
0: yeah, and and there I think there are two teams in certain contexts that are a little bit of mirror images of each other, and that's why. Um, you see, you know, one game is team X by six. The next game is team Y by six. I think that that's why we see it. And we go back to their matchup in the regular season, 22 to 16. Um, you know, and, and really it, it, the game basically swung in the first half on about a, uh, I don't know, four five play sequence where raft river throws a, a touchdown on fourth and goal, then Oakley fumbles on the ensuing kickoff and then, uh, um, uh, Raft River punches it in. And maybe it wasn't the ensuing kickoff, but ensuing possession. Oakley turns it over, and then Raft River turns around and punches it in. Well, there's two or three touchdowns right there. Um, you know, these are two evenly matched teams. These are two teams that statistically, we talked about it, one allows 12.9 points a game, one allows 12.2. One averages 55 points a game, one averages 49. Um, they each held the other to its lowest point total of the year by a remarkably large margin. Um, so, I mean, just you look at it on paper and it's just like, you know, how do you pick between these two? And and I, I'm going to give you one X factor here. And I know it gets talked about a little bit down around Oakley. Go back to, you know, we're talking about their game against each other. Uh, on October, I believe it was 2016, October 16th. Go back a month before that when Oakley played Peranigat Valley Of Nevada okay the final score of that game was Oakley 52 Peranigate Valley 6 do you know how many points Peranigate Valley has given up since then zero 12 okay they've given up 12 total points since then and they play for the Nevada State Championship on the 20th and Oakley beat them 52 to 6 So that, I mean, I look at that game and I'm like, wow, maybe that's one that in Idaho, because we don't know a lot about, and I believe I'm pronouncing it correctly, Perenigate Valley. Um, But I mean, that is a perennial, perennial Nevada power. They had like some hundred game winning streak or something like that not that long ago. But now they're going to play for a state championship and and Oakley traveled down into Nevada. They played at a neutral site and and beat them 52 to six. I mean, that's got to say something, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, we, it did kind of fly under the radar when it first happened. And then we, we, you and I dug deeper into this, into this team. And, uh, I believe they had an 18 game winning streak going into the matchup with Oakley did. that got, that got snapped. Um, they were the defending champions. And as you mentioned, a powerhouse, basically their Nevada's version of like carry at the 182 level where yep. they just year in, year out are competing for championships and for Oakley to go there and basically whitewash them like that. Um, was very impressive. So. Yeah.
0: And then Peranigan Valley shuts out like the next five teams mm-hmm. they played and then won last week something like 58 to 12. Um so it's, you know, they're not some they're not some sisters of the poor to quote the old, you know, Big 20 Big 10 commissioner joke. Um it's it's a good football team and Oakley absolutely obliterated them. Absolutely obliterated them and I think it goes to show just how good Oakley and Raft River are. I'm not. I'm not using this to denigrate Piranha Valley at all. This is how good some of Idaho's eight-man football teams are. They're no joke. They can play.
1: Yeah, uh, for sure. So I was. I was at the first game between Raptor River and Oakley. I had the call on Idahosports.com. So I got oh, that's the front right. row. I forgot eat. about that. Yeah, I got the front row seat to it. It, re- it really did come down to, uh, it came down to three things. Defense, certainly. You talked about Oakley with that key fumble that directly led to a touchdown for Raft River. Uh, it was the the first and really only time this year that I've seen where Peyton Beck was uh, flustered and didn't have much time to yeah. pass. Raft River's defensive line really held the point of attack and did a great job. Mm-hmm. Um, the second factor was special teams, you know, Raft River couldn't have asked for a better start to the game. They kick off to Oakley. Oakley goes three and out. They're punting to Raft River. Tegan Whitaker returns it 60 yards for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. So, like that, Raft River's up eight-nothing without even having to do anything on offense. Yeah. The the third factor was penalties. Penalties Correct. absolutely killed Oakley in a couple of tight spots, including late in the game where they, they were driving. I mean, they they were driving for the win potentially because they lost uh, 22 to 16. So I guess they, they were driving for the tie. Um, and, and they had the momentum in that second half, you know, Rat, for as good as Rap River started Oakley owned the second half and, and they had all the momentum and they were driving late in the game. Uh, they had the ball around Rap River's 30 yard line and, and, a, you know, a key costly penalty ended up moving them back to midfield to where all of a sudden, instead of, you know, fourth and five, they were, you know, fourth and 19, and Peyton Beck just having to take a shot deep, and he never even got the opportunity because by the time his receivers were far enough to get the first down, Raft River's defensive line was there to make the st- the tackle. So that was the key was was penalties. And so you're playing inside Holt Arena now. Both teams have played a game inside Holt Arena this postseason. It does seem like as we get further into the playoffs, you know, the penalties become more and more common, especially holding calls. You know, and i I've, I've done. You know, games from the 4A level all the way down to 1A D2. And across the board, it seems like uh, penalty flags are out more than they were in the regular season. So I think it could come down to, to penalties, as cliche as that sounds.
0: Yeah, discipline is always vital in the postseason. It's, you know, you're giving up free yards. And, you know, when you when you move yourself back, when you, uh, you know, maybe you maybe you score a touchdown and it gets called back because of a hold, and now you've got to do it all over again. Uh, those are the kinds of mistakes that can ultimately can swing a game they can really swing a game and you talk about just the the small margin for error that there's going to be in this matchup something as simple as what you just described a pass for a first down that gets called back because of a penalty on fourth down and now you got to do it all over again and guess what you don't get the first down you know presto there's there's you know just go ahead and write that one down in the book as whether you want to call it hidden yards or lost yards or failed yards or whatever you want to classify it as, uh, absolutely humongous, humongous factor in a, in a matchup like this.
1: So I do. I, I, I lean uh, my official pick. I, I can't change it at this point.
0: Uh, You've been on this train since July. If yeah. you changed it now, I would call BS on you.
1: I know I'd be such a a fraud. Um, I I, I'm going wrapped river and I, I really do believe, uh, in my heart of hearts that, that wrapped river is the better team. Now, again, if Oakley comes out and, and, and plays well, you know, I'll own it, but Mm -hmm. I've, I've, I've said wrapped river since way back in the preseason. They've been my number one team all year long. They've continued to show off their diversity, uh, and their talent, and I really think their defensive line, just like the first game, really wins the matchup here. Uh, uh, Davin Jones is the is the best yeah. two way lineman I've seen in one AD one football. Yeah. And I know there's a lot of good linemen out there, but he's the best that I've seen. He he can take over a game. At, at both sides uh, on offense, you know, he, he can push the pile and on defense, he, he can really get after the quarterback as I
0: well. Mean, raft river always seems to have good <laughs> linemen, no matter what they, it always seems like they're really strong uh, in the trenches. Now I lean a tiny bit the other way. I lean Oakley at touch. Uh, and I know that the coach Evans is going to give me a hard time about this. If raft river comes through and wins, but like, like you said, I'll own it if it happens. Um, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised either way. I, I could see, you know, I, I expect it to be in a, the 30 to 20 range, and I'm not going to be shocked if Oakley wins it. I'm not going to be shocked if Rafter River wins it. It's a very evenly matched game, and it comes down to those little things, like you said, which team can avoid the turnovers, which team can win the special teams battle, um, you know, create an opportunity with a big punt return or a kickoff return or recover an onside kick, something of that nature, uh, and penalties, you know. Um who plays smart? Who plays disciplined? It's 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 all going to come into play because both teams have exceptional football players. It I I and it sounds weird to say I don't think that talent on the field is going to be the ultimate deciding factor if that makes sense um, because they're both very talented. I don't think you can discern a strong enough gap between one team or the other where you can say, oh well, that team. Is physically just better. Um, I mean, you can you can have that opinion. Whatever. I mean, now I'm kind of confusing people potentially. But what I'm saying is, I think it's going to be the things like the penalties, like field position, like special teams. You know, punting and 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 you know, booming a, a fifty yarder that rolls versus shanking one off the side of your foot and having it go out of bounds ten yards downfield. That's a big factor in a game like this. Yeah.
1: So bottom line, you wore your Oakley red shirt today,
0: Will. And that's why I'm not you're... even deliberately, but <laughs> you're not wearing your Raft River blue.
1: I'm wearing a neutral gray. Yeah. It's uh just a t shirt. So oh. if you want to see what we're wearing, uh, you can always watch the video of this prep cast at the Idahosports.com YouTube channel or Facebook page. Audio only as well, available at Idahosports.com. Across the top of the homepage, you'll see prep casts tab. Puts a drop down menu down. And you just click eight man prepcast. You can listen to it there or wherever you download your podcasts. All right. One championship down, one to go. We're going to take a break here from our sponsors at the Idaho Division of Public Health. And when we come back, we'll talk about the 1A D two championship coming up. I should mention, I guess, real quick, that one a D one championship will be Thursday in Holt Arena, 630 kickoff. It'll be the first game of a doubleheader Thursday night in Holt Arena in Pocatello. And of course, we will have the coverage uh, on idahosports.com. All right, we'll take a break. 1A-D-2 Championship coming up next here on the Idaho 8-Man PrepCast from idahosports.com.
0: It's time to start planning for back to school. That's why I got my kids vaccinated for COVID-19. Kids 12 and older can get vaccinated. The vaccines have been researched and tested. They're safe and they work. And I hope everyone will choose to get vaccinated too.
1: Back on the Idaho Eight Man Prepcast on idahosports.com, Brandon Bainey with Will Henneke. as we transition out to the 1A D2 ranks. First, let's revisit the semifinals super quick. Up north at the Kibbe Dome in Moscow on the top half of the bracket, you had Kendrick taking on Castleford. And this was kind of a back and forth game in the first half. Um, but then in the second half, Kendrick uh, started making some plays to pull away
0: really impressed with Kendrick in that game. And it's not to say I'm unimpressed with Castleford for them, for, for Zane Hobart and his team to play the way they did in the second half against Castleford is, is what makes it impressive. And while it was the usual suspect, um, you know, their offense was good and it was dynamic and it was creating big plays, five interceptions, five picks. I mean, that's, that's some yeoman's work there by that, that Kendrick defense against a really good offense.
1: Yeah, and and Kendrick, uh, we talked about there, you know, the versatility of Raptor River and Oakley in the last segment. Kendrick has a lot of playmakers on offense that can can really beat you. Ty Kep is the quarterback, and he kind of, you know, is at master control. But uh, you've got uh, Wyatt Fitzmorris, and you've got the, um, is it the Taylor brothers? I'm trying uh, to remember Hewitt, which, Hewitt Sawyer and
0: Jagger Hewitt. You've got yeah. Hunter Taylor, who had, and and this is funny. We can talk about this more later on three interceptions, one return for a touchdown and a touchdown catch. You had somebody do it in both D2 games. Yes. Such an odd stat line, but but Hunter Taylor um you know really really came through especially on defense, but you're right. It's you know uh, we jokingly refer to it as an embarrassment of riches. I don't think any team should be embarrassed at having a plethora of options and uh, you know to have a kid like Ty Kep, who is one of the most experienced sophomores you're ever going to meet in terms of football, uh, to have him run in the, the show, so to speak, is a, a tremendous, tremendous luxury for the Kendrick program.
1: Yeah, this is pretty interesting. So, uh, Paul Kingsbury and I were, were on the call for the Carey Dietrich game. And so we started an hour earlier than that Kendrick Castleford game, right? Since they're in the Pacific time zone. Right. Yep. And, and so as as we're getting towards the end of our game and, um you know it's the the outcome is kind of decided we really start scoreboard watching that game up north and it, it in that first half like i said it swung you know Castleford had the lead and then kendrick took it back and then castle ford took it back Castleford actually led at halftime 22 to 20 but, th- but that third quarter uh w- was the decider things mm-hmm. kind of unraveled for castle ford in that third quarter, you know, Ty kept scored on a two-yard run. He threw a pass to Jagger Hewitt for the two-point conversion. Fitzmaurice scored. kept found Hewitt again. I mean, just an avalanche of points, three unanswered touchdowns by Kendrick is really what, what salted it away as the Tigers won 46-30 to the final.
0: Yeah, and it can swing so fast in eight-man football. It really can. It can go from, you know, go back to go back last week, Kerry playing Mullen St. Regis uh, in the quarterfinals the score was something like, you know, 18 to six at halftime. And what was the final score? 60 to 12, something like that. You know, a team wears down a couple of mistakes, a couple turnovers, whatever. And, you know, we mentioned Kendrick forcing five turnovers via interception. So, you know, you get a touchdown. And then if you get one of those interceptions and you score again, that's 12, 14, 16 points right there. And you've just changed the face of the game.
1: And for Castleford, you know, what a season they had. I know know they wanted another shot at carry in the, in the championship game. That's not going to happen, but uh, for Castleford, a team that's, Not, you know, this time of year we're we're usually talking about Carrie and Kendrick in, in recent years, but, but Mm -hmm. for Castle Ford, you know, they don't have the, the history, like some of these other eight man schools do. So it was really nice to see them break through and get to the semifinals this year. Yeah.
0: It had to be a lot of fun for that community to follow that team because they represented the town and the school so well in terms of their, you know, the on-field production and winning games and, you know, for, for a lot of years. Uh, you know Castleford struggled. You know two, three, four wins, but could never really punch up into that upper echelon. Which again, in this in this particular league, you're talking about Kerry, you're talking about Dietrich. For a long time, you're talking about Lighthouse Christian. That, that's a that's a tough nugget to crack there. And the the window opened a little bit this year in Castleford to their credit, their coaching staff and their kids. You know to to win seven, eight ball games to get to the semifinals to be one of the last four teams standing. It, I guarantee it hurt walking off that field and it hurt on that bus ride home, but I think they got a lot to be proud of. And I think they got a lot to be really, really happy about. And when they're looking back on it in future years, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of good. And, you know, ultimately, yeah, we're, you know, it's, we're sad that we lost, but it's going to be a lot of good memories.
1: And now the interesting thing is with Kerry moving to the 1A D1 level next year, it kind of creates this void, you know, not, not just on a statewide level, but, but in the conference as well, you know, the, you know, Castleford is primed to maybe repeat that success moving forward.
0: Yeah. Some of those teams like, you know, Hanson and Camus County and, and until this year, Castleford teams that have been on the wrong end of some pretty uh, pretty lopsided scores against a program like Kerry, they got to be thinking, thank God. You know, it's kind of like Ollie in the movie Hoosiers when Strap finally comes out of the locker room and goes into the game and Ollie doesn't have to play. And he's like, Whew. Um, you know, I, I guarantee you that, uh, you know, the, the Hanson Huskies are not going to be too sad to not see Kerry on their schedule uh, next year. I, I, I promise you that one.
1: And on the other side, you know what was already a loaded conference in 1A D1, right? Oakley, Rats River, Lighthouse, Murtaugh. Hey, we're going to throw Kerry into the mix as well. I mean, yeah, that's and, be-
0: and and it's they're they're not like some again. It's not they may be a quote unquote smaller school, but they've got 30 kids out there, you know. And these are kids that are you know they're they're used to winning. They know how to win. They know the system. They know what they're doing. They're going to. They're going to go up and they're going to compete. I'm not going to promise 10 and 0 in state championship by any stretch of the imagination, but I don't think anybody in the region should be the least bit surprised. You know, this time next year, if we're reminiscing on on Kerry making the playoffs, uh, we shouldn't be we shouldn't be surprised by that at all. Lane Kirkland and his staff and and that school district and that community and those kids, uh, they know how to get it done there, and and I have very little doubt in my mind that they'll continue to get it done. Uh, at the division one ranks, maybe not as dominantly as, as it was because, you know, there, there is a little bit of a difference in competition, but um, it's not like they've just been sneaking by teams 28, 24 every week um, for the past 15 years. You know, they've, they've been dropping the hammer on somebody. Let's remember they beat a 4A team last year. Mm -hmm. They beat Wood River last year. They've got the talent, they've got the skill, and they've got good coaches. They'll they'll do fine.
1: Yeah, Lighthouse Christian moved up to the D one level two years ago and got to the semifinals in their first year. I, I could see something very similar
0: for. Yeah, for wouldn't Carey. blow me away. Wouldn't blow yeah. me away. Yep. Yeah.
1: Speaking of carry, for now they have one more one A D two title within their reach, as they took on Dietrich and won fifty four to twenty. And this was a game that. You know, I I basically said, you know, Dietrich is going to have to match carry score for score. They came in with the game plan of we want to control the clock, keep that carry offense off the field, because, you know, I asked their I asked uh, assistant coach Brody Estelle. I said, hey, when you guys played in the regular season, I mean, you you were a play away from winning that game. Mm I said, yeah. what, what did you do that was so successful that nobody else has been able to do? And he said, you know, we really uh, took the time of possession on our opening drive. We took 10 minutes off the clock and went down and scored. And he said, that's kind of the key is, you, you know, you're not going to be able to stop the carry offense every time. So how do you, how do you stop them? Well, you limit their possessions. And so they came in with the idea of, we're going to control the clock, ball control, all that great stuff. Well, that only works if you're able to dictate the tempo from the start and they got, right. they got down early. And had to kind of shift their game plan and they really became one-dimensional in the passing game and from there i mean it was like a snowball rolling down a hill
0: but and dietrich has a pretty good passing attack when you look at cody power at quarterback uh, peyton sned and you've got jet shaw very good player um so they're able to do some things but you're right it's you can't get behind you can't get into i mean and behind is a relative term you can get behind six eight points where you have a chance to answer right back but when that lead suddenly becomes 18 points, 20 points, um, you're in trouble. carry is a little bit like that snake that just knows how to squeeze, squeeze, squeeze uh, un- until there's nothing left to squeeze. You know what I mean? They know how to do that. Uh, that's why they do what they do is because they can. They know how to do it. They've done it. Um, so, yeah, it's for Dietrich what they needed to do is they needed a quick start. Didn't really happen. Uh, and they needed to avoid letting Kerry get any kind of separation. Uh, didn't happen, and the, the end results as a result, um, not a not a huge surprise.
1: Yeah, it was eight to six, Kerry after one quarter, and then kind of like Kendrick in that third quarter against Castleford. You know, Kerry scored three unanswered touchdowns mm-hmm. in the second quarter, and from there the game was uh, basically decided at that point.
0: Yeah, I mean eight to six you can work with. Thirty two to six, nope.
1: Yes. And, and yeah, for, um, for Dietrich, I mean, they scored as time expired, you know, at the, at the end of the first half, uh, power threw up a touchdown to case Robertson as zeros hit the clock. And, and you thought, okay, Dietrich's got a little momentum, mm-hmm. you know, that still only made it 32 to 14, but Dietrich did get the ball to start the second half, and I thought, okay, if they can score here, maybe they can claw their way back in. If, but they, but they yeah. weren't able to.
0: If yeah, that's the right. that that's the magic term. And I mean, you as a as a coach, you have to have that optimism, and as a, a player, you've got to think you can do it. Um, but but realistically, how many times? And it does happen. Let's not kid ourselves. But how many times, especially when you get into a playoff setting, how many times have you seen team X? you know, get down. And even if they do score right before the half to cut the deficit to 20, you know, even if they do score that next time, they're still down two scores. That hole is deep. It's hard to overcome. Not impossible, can be done. Uh, but boy, you, you're trying to do that against a team like Kerry. It's, um, you know, it's, it's, that's a tall order for anybody.
1: The Kerry defense, I mean, was their usual dominant self, right? Um, Nick Versus was all over making plays. Uh, Ellis Hansen was – or Ellis was in there making a bunch of plays. And so for Kerry now, they advanced to the championship game against Kendrick. This is the team that they met in the semifinals last year. Won that game pretty convincingly, but mm-hmm. uh, here they are again trying to win back-to-back title – or a win after falling in the championship game last year.
0: Yeah, you go back to 2004. That's when it, the, the IHSAA – split the 1A eight-man between Division one and Division two. Horseshoe Bend won the state championship in 2004. Mackie won it in 2005. From 2006 to 2019, Carey, Lighthouse Christian, Salmon River. Those were the only three teams that won it. Now, Dietrich won it last year, but Carey was there. And Carey's there again this year. They're just kind of like this uh, omnipresent thing, at least for one more year, Um, they know how to do it and they know how to get it done. And Kendrick, they've been in the playoffs somewhere in the neighborhood of seven of the last eight years. They've been to the semifinal a couple of times. They went to a state championship game against Salmon River back in 2000. (sighs) I'm cheating here, trying to see if I can find it. 2016, (laughs) I believe. Um, So, you know, they they know as well a little bit about what to expect in the playoffs. But just that long history of success that Kerry has – Gives them a little bit of an advantage. Kerry, uh, you know, Kendrick has the tools. They absolutely have the tools to punch. But I think much like Dietrich, uh, I think the key for, for Kendrick is going to be a fast start. You know, get an early score. Get two early scores. Create a turnover. Create some positive momentum. Don't dig a hole. Don't let Kerry get away from you. Even a little bit. Even a little bit. Even 12 nothing, Even 14 nothing. That might be that might be too much. That's how that's how good carry is capable of being.
1: I mean, it's very rare that they don't cash in on, on a possession by scoring, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of the key. They're so yeah. efficient. Yeah.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, I really like, I mean, we, we talked about it earlier. We talked about Ty Kep. I think he's one of those kids that could be in the conversation for state player of the year, and he's kind of done it, I don't want to say quietly, but he's done it very steadily. Um, and one of, the, one of his chief competitors is going to be on the other sideline in Connor Simpson. And I think that the, the player we can't forget about, even though his team went out early in the playoffs, surprisingly, uh, Bridger Hatch from, from North Gem, those I think are the three kids, in, in my mind anyway, that I think are the, the, the strong candidates. And the thing that's crazy about it, um, Hatch, or I'm sorry, not Hatch, uh, Kep's a sophomore. He's just a sophomore. Um, you know, the, 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 kid can play, the kid can flat out play. And, uh, I expect him to make some plays. Uh, I expect this, you know, I've been saying this all along. I expect this to be a, a tight football game. You know, I don't, I don't see a team running away. Um, but I think if it's, if it's going to happen, I think if, if Kerry scores early and gets a stop or forces a turnover and scores again, um, will Kendrick be able to stay with their game plan? Will they be able to, or will they have to, change things up and start taking some shots to try and get back in the game. Because if they have to, if they have to, to alter the game plan and start taking chances, that's where the snake starts to constrict a little bit. And that's where, that's where a game could get, uh, could get sideways.
1: Yeah. Uh, you, you brought up a good point with, uh, kept only being a sophomore, you know, Connor Simpson's only a junior and last right. year he was the, the lead back, uh, in that offense uh, as a sophomore as well. And so it's nice to see these younger players breaking through one, one underreported thing for Kerry is they, they made a quarterback change. You know, as right. I, as I was talking to Paul Kingsbury last week, you know, before we went on the air, you know, chase Benyon was kind of their quarterback through a lot of the regular season, I think. And then as we got to the playoffs, Carson Perks makes the switch from, you know, receiver to QB. Benyon moves from QB to tight end. It's really opened things up for this carry offense, and that's what you get in a veteran coach like Lane Kirkland that isn't afraid to make that type of change heading into the playoffs.
0: Boy, isn't it nice to have that versatility, too, Mm -hmm. where you just, you know, you can move guys around. We saw Dietrich do it earlier in the year, switching uh, Peyton Snedden and Cody Power, and it really impacted their season. Um, and, and carry boy, how, how nice is it to be able to make that switch and not even really miss a beat. And you mentioned Connor, Connor Simpson, um, you know, he's a big part of why when you have a guy, if, if the offense is struggling that you can just tell your offensive lineman, just give me a push, we're going to hand it off. And we're just going to go five yards down the field until Simpson breaks one, because invariably he's going to break one. He pretty much always, it seems like every game you just, you go down and it's like, 575540 you know what i mean there's there's always one or two of those runs in there and uh, you know the thing that's so incredible about him and this was pointed out to me by uh, garden valley head coach jason yearsley he doesn't have exceptional blazing speed per se but he gets to that top speed so fast you see guys take bad angles all the time because they think they can beat him to the corner and they can't because he's one step and boom he's, he's full go and he beats people just by that. And, you know, when you, when you open up a little crease, he's not a big guy, you know, he can get kind of lost in there and you open up a little crease for him and he hits full stride in one step, you know, a sl- the slightest false step by a linebacker or, or a DB and it's over. He's gone. He's by you. Um, he's, he's just been a incredible asset for that team the last couple of years.
1: Yeah, so officially, I'm you know, I'm going to lean Kerry. Uh, big, big surprise. is uh, Ke- just, they're so good. And and to me, it's not that Kendrick isn't good. It's just that Kerry has proved time and again that this time of year, they're tough to beat. And for Kendrick, um, you know, they haven't quite earned that trust yet as they are still trying to, you know, they've gotten deep into the playoffs, but they haven't quite been able to finish it off yet. Now, maybe this is the year they do. And it wouldn't surprise me, but I think officially I'm going to go carry and maybe carry by, you know, two scores, something like that.
0: For the sake of uh, inspiring a little talk, it'd be easier for easy for me to agree, right? But <laughs> since you took carry, I will lean again slightly uh, to the Kendrick side. I've just, I've been so impressed, you know, what they were able to do in horrible conditions in the quarterfinals against Horseshoe Bend. They looked great. And then they have to go play. You know, a very good Castleford team, and they looked great. And then they get the short bus ride. You know, the game is in in their backyard. Carrie's the team that's gonna have to make the trip. Um, so I, I will I will chalk all those little things up. And I'm I'm a big Tykep fan and the Hewitts and you mentioned Fitz Morris, and Hunter Taylor, Riley Morey, by the way, for Carey is the other three interceptions, one for a touchdown, one. Uh, pass catch for a touchdown. I don't think I've ever even heard of a, a, a two semifinals where a, a kid on each, you know, in each game did the exact same thing like that. Um, but I, I'll give I'll give Kendrick a tiny edge. But like I said, you know, I, I think this one. Whereas I think the one A Division one game is going to be a little lower scoring. I think this one has the potential to be a little higher scoring. You know, a forty six forty type of game. And I, I'm not going to be blown away if, if either team wins it, but. Uh, I do think if if one of the two teams is more likely to pull away and win going away, I think it's probably going to be Kerry. Um, so I guess what I'm doing is I'm tempting the football gods uh, to see if if Kendrick can get out to maybe a two or three score lead themselves and then they can be the team that, that puts the squeeze on a little bit. You know we'll we'll see we'll see this weekend.
1: Kendrick will have the home field advantage. Uh, This game will be the final championship game in the state of Idaho Saturday afternoon at 1 p.m. in the Kibbe Dome in moscow and so again we will have coverage of that on IdahoSports.com. all right well this was a really fun season of eight man football you know as we're kind of wrapping up the eight man prep cast for the year uh we had a lot of good conversation a lot of good spark uh topics sparked and i think you know we had a lot of support uh from and that's what really makes these podcasts possible are, are the fan support from parents coaches even players, you know, I think players sometimes tune into this stuff too. So uh, it's been a lot of fun to do this every week.
0: It has been, it's been a blast. And it's, it's, it's great for me. The whole Idaho eight man thing uh, began because I've watched as media resources have been cut. And as a result, the, the kids who have felt it are often the, the farthest out kids, the smallest schools, the most rural, the most isolated, uh, the Lewiston Tribune can't afford to send somebody every week uh, up to Kuski for the Clearwater Valley game. And I'm using them as an example because I think they do a, a fantastic job in coverage. But I tell people all the time, um, it's the, the instinct is you, you know, when you've lost a little bit of coverage, the instinct is you see a reporter at your game. The instinct is to make some sort of a snarky comment, well, about time or something like that. I think we need to, the pendulum needs to swing the other way. And if we see the Lewiston Tribune, if we see the Idaho State, um, the Idaho Statesman, uh, the the uh, post register, if we see them at our gyms, if we see them at our fields, we need to go up, we need to say thanks. Just, hey, we know you're dealing with limited resources, but boy, we're thankful to see you here. Uh, because I'll tell you, without them, without those, the newspapers, the TV stations, um, you know, john up in sun valley covering you know carry the way he does without them it's hard for me to do what i do you know a lot of people thank me for what i do i couldn't do what i do without the efforts of of the local media statewide so i certainly appreciate you know all of them from the bonner county b all the way down to uh you know the idaho state journal down in in pocatello and I, i think it's i think it's awesome and i hope to continue it for a long time and and i hope that uh I hope that coverage eventually swings back up from traditional media outlets.
1: Yeah. It's it's been nice. And again, you right, it is a communal effort from everybody statewide. Idaho is a big state. And so it's nice for us to be able to kind of take it all and put it into one place each week for everybody to come and kind of right. digest all that information, right?
0: Correct. In one short 55 minute block. <laughs>
1: That's right. That's right. Well, it was our last episode of the year. So we had to go a little long.
0: Hey, so. championship. You gotta let it, you gotta let it breathe a little bit.
1: That's right. That's right. Well, Will, thanks for everything that you do for for the athletes in the state of Idaho, trying to shine that spotlight on it uh, a little bit brighter. Uh, and ba- thanks for, uh, you know, stepping in and doing this every week as well. I've had a blast doing
0: these. Yeah, no problem. And thanks to you guys. I mean, a lot of these, you know, my ability to see some of these games, I live in the Boise area. And as much as I'd like to be able to drive to some of these games and watch them with my own eyes, I can't. Uh, so, you know, a lot of times you guys are my eyes and being able to click on Idaho sports and watch a game or listen to a game. I mean, I, I can't even tell you how how great that's been this year. And I mean, in years past and uh, in years to come, too.
1: Yep. We, we love doing it. So uh, thanks to everybody who tuned into the Idaho eight man prep cast all season long. We're going to go into uh, hibernation. We'll we'll reemerge next August as we uh, get ready for the 2022 eight-man football season enjoy the championship games this weekend everybody and we'll see you next year on IdahoSports.com for Will Henneke, I'm Brandon Bainey thanks for uh, tuning in one final time to the Idaho eight-man prep cast on IdahoSports.com